Well, good morning. My name is Carlos, and I just want to say hello to everyone in Quakertown. Um, I just want you to know that I miss all of you, and I'm hoping that you're having a great day. I can't wait to see you again next week. And uh, Ray, make sure you treat that Quakertown community well, and Quakertown people, make sure you treat Ray well. Uh, and just all of you in Sowerton, I just want you to know I, I missed you too. <laughs> I missed you too, and I'm really happy to see all of you as well. Well, today we're ending our vital signs series. And what we've said in this series is that when it comes to vital signs, what is happening is that you take a look back at your history. You take a look back at your history, you make an assessment of your present, and by taking a look back and making an assessment of the present, you combine them and you create a destination for the future. And what we've said in this series is that our hope is that this destination isn't one of simply an action or of a location, but that this, that this destination is one of transformation. Our hope in this Vital Signs series has been that as we look back, as we look where we are, and then look forward, our destination is one of becoming a clearer picture of who Jesus is. A clearer picture of Jesus. And today, we're going to take a look at an aspect of Jesus, an aspect of who he is, that I feel is very relevant to where we are at as Calvary Church. Today, we're going to look at inviting. Inviting. You see, inviting is an interesting word. Inviting is both a verb and an adjective. It describes what God does, but it also describes who He is. God is an inviting God. He is continually to invite us into a relationship with Him, and yet also His very nature is inviting as well. God actively participates in inviting us, and we are actively drawn to him because of his inviting nature, both a verb and an adjective. It is what God does, and it is who he is. And so today we're going to look at an invitation in the book of Isaiah. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 55. If you don't have a Bible, there are different ways you can follow along. The verses will be up on the screens up here. You can also take out your phone or your tablet and go to the Bible app or the Bible Gateway app. Or if you're here in Southerton, you can take the Bible out of the seat rack in front of you. If you're in Quakertown, we don't have Bibles in the seat racks. We have Bibles in the back of the room. So if you didn't take it there, you can raise your hand and Usher will bring it over to you. And whether you're in Quakertown or Southerton, if you don't own a Bible... We want you to keep that one. It's our gift to you. It's free. We believe that reading the Bible has the potential to impact your life, and so we want you to have one. So go ahead and take that one home. And if you don't know how to read it, if you're not sure what to do, just give us a call. We'd be more than happy to talk with you. But we're going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 to 5. Come. All you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me, listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. 
my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and a commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. There's so much, so much in this chapter. There's so much just in those five verses. And I feel that you really need to chew it slowly and savor it. And so we're not going to cover the whole chapter. We're just going to do those first five verses because I feel if we try to do the whole chapter, we wouldn't have enough time to really do its service. Because I feel like in that chapter, we learn about a beautiful characteristic of who God is and what he does. And by learning about that, we learn a little bit about our own vital signs, and we learn about how we should be as followers of Jesus and also what we should do. There's a beautiful invitation in this chapter. And I think the way that we can divide it up, the way that we can learn about inviting, the way that we can kind of understand what's going on is by asking three questions. Just three questions. The first question that we need to ask is, who? Who? Who is being invited? Who is this invitation for? Who is the object of this invitation? And if we were to look at that, it's really not, it's not a trick question. It's not hard to figure out. It's actually right at the beginning, like any invitation. At the beginning of every invitation, it tells you who it's for, to whatever. Right at the beginning of this chapter, it says who this invitation is for. It is for the thirsty. Come and drink, all who are thirsty. This invitation is for the thirsty. John Piper is a preacher and an author, and he makes an interesting observation as he looks at these verses. And what he does is he looks at these verses and he says, there are two types of people. There are two subgroups to this group of thirsty people. And he notices that at the beginning it says, come all those who cannot buy, who those who have no money. No money to buy, no money to buy drink, no money. But then it goes just right after that and it talks about those who spend their money on that which does not satisfy, who labor on what doesn't satisfy. There are two groups of people here, those who are completely empty, have nothing, are broke, and then those who are spending their money in the wrong ways. And if we follow that line of thinking by John Piper, if we look at that, then we realize that there are two groups to this thirsty category. And the first one is this, those who know they're thirsty. There's a desperation in that group. In that group, everything that could be stripped away has been stripped away. There is no hope. There is no joy. There is no life. There is nothing. Now, I don't know where you are in life. I don't know if that's you. I don't know if you've hit rock bottom. I don't know if you live a life and you think there is no hope, there is no job, there is no finances, there is no marriage, there is no children, there is no nothing. There is nothing. I don't know if that's you. But if that is you, you need to understand something. This invitation is for you. 
If you've hit rock bottom, you need to understand that this invitation was given with you in mind. If you have hit rock bottom and you have been stripped away of everything that could be stripped, you need to understand that you are the object of this invitation. This invitation is for you. And yet there's another group as well. This group isn't as obvious. This group, the desperation is actually masked a little bit. In this group, it's actually gift-wrapped. You see, in this group, they have means. They can try to pursue satisfaction. They can try to satisfy their thirst through other things, through other objects. And yet, there is no satisfaction. It's the same desperation. It just looks different. And so this group tries to satisfy through stuff, through relationships. And I don't know where you're at in this room. But if you're someone who has looked to anything else but Jesus, if you've looked to your financial status, if you've looked to your job, if you've looked to your marriage, if you look to having the perfect wife, the perfect children, the children that go to the perfect sports program, that go to the perfect schools, that you drive a perfect car, if you've looked to the perfect neighborhood, the perfect home, if you look to all of these things, the perfect friends, the perfect mother, the perfect father, the perfect everything, trying to keep it all together, trying to find happiness in that, you will not be satisfied and you are just as thirsty as the other group. And if that is you, if you've looked in areas where you shouldn't be looking for satisfaction, if you've looked in areas where you are trying to satisfy your thirst in vain, well, I need you to understand something. This invitation is for you. You see, here's what it's like. It's like someone who's wandering through a desert. You wander through the desert, you're walking through the hot sand, the sun is pounding on you, sweat is pouring down, your mouth becomes dry, your tongue begins to feel like cotton, you are thirsty. And someone comes through the desert, they see you so thirsty, they see you in the hot desert sand, and they give you a bag of hers potato chips. Nothing wrong with Hearst potato chips, right? They're tasty. They're delicious. I don't want Hearst potato chips when I'm thirsty. It's a good thing, just like that house, just like that marriage, just like those kids. All those are good things. But if I'm trying to satisfy thirst with that, it doesn't work. In fact, if I'm thirsty and I'm giving Hearst potato chips, it actually accentuates the thirst. If I begin to look for other things to satisfy my thirst, other than Jesus, it just will accentuate the thirst. So if that is you, if you're munching on potato chips in the desert, you need to know that this invitation is for you. This invitation was written with you in mind. This invitation has you as the object of its recipient. This invitation is for you. And here's why that's amazing. Here's why this is something so cool. Because all of us in this room, all of us in humanity, all of us throughout history have fallen into one of those groups at some point in our life, at least one of those groups. Either you've gone to the point where you've hit rock bottom and you're like, I have 
nothing. There is nothing more that can be taken from me. I am completely broke and broken. Or you've gone to the point where you have looked to satisfy yourself with something other than Jesus. You've looked to whatever it is. All of us have done that. And so, this invitation is for everyone. Because everyone thirsts. This invitation is for everyone. And so there needs to be a shift. There needs to be a shift in what we thirst for and how we try to satisfy that thirst. And that's just a description for a church word. It's just a description for a church word. And that word is conversion. I don't like that word. I like conversion. Doesn't sound so good. Actually, it sounds really bad to our culture. When we talk about conversion, it, it sounds really bad because I don't want you to change me. Now don't tell me to be like you. This is my essence. <laughs> don't mess with it. And so conversion takes on a negative meaning. And in fact, we need to take back that meaning of conversion because the church is about conversion. The church better be about conversion. But we need to change how we define it. Because we have created this definition that conversion is me trying to make you look like me. And far too often we try so hard to make others look like us when we should be more worried about us looking like Jesus. We've made conversion into something about a change in practices, about a change in behaviors, when conversion is actually a heart issue. It's actually a heart issue. Tim Keller is a preacher in New York City and, and a great writer, and he's really smart. And he writes it this way. He says, conversion is not complete until you change what your heart seeks and how your heart seeks it. Conversion is not complete until you change what your heart seeks and how your heart seeks it. We're going to get into the how a little bit later. But what is it that we are shifting our heart's desire to? You see, if we ask the first question, it's who? Who is this invitation for? It's for the thirsty. It's for everyone. What are they being invited to? You see, the second question is, what? What are they being invited to? What is the purpose of this invitation? They are called to drink. Drink what? What is this invitation for? I think in order to understand the what of this passage, we need to take a look at some drinks. Not Dr. Pepper, but other drinks, the ones in the Bible. There are three drinks listed in those verses. Water, milk, wine. Water, milk, wine, in that order. What do you think of when you think of water? Water. 
What comes to mind when we think of water? Life. Life. You can't have life without water. You can live without milk. You can live without wine. You can't live without water. Water brings life. In this invitation, those who are dead are offered life. It is moving from death to life. Water. But it doesn't stop there. We don't stop with just a drink of water. We move on. And we move on to milk. And what do you think of when you think of milk? Ice cream. <laughs> but that's not relevant to this, so we're going to change it. What do you think of when you think of milk? And cookies, yeah. Well, you, you think of a baby. You think of a baby. Babies drink milk. Babies need milk. In a lot of countries outside of the United States, adults really don't drink milk. It's something that's given to babies or to children. Why? It's nourishment for growth. It is what is given so that this baby can grow, so that you can move from new birth and mature and grow in your new life. And so we're given water to bring us from death to life, and then we're given milk to bring us to growth, to bring us to maturity, as we continually be changed and transformed into the image of Jesus. What about the wine? What's up with that? Well, I think the wine is actually important. Because I think we either focus on water or we focus on milk, and we lose track of the wine. And here's what I mean. Wine is for celebration. When you think of wine, you think about celebration. You think about celebrating. Far too often, we simply think about water. We think about no longer being dead. We're safe. We're no longer dead. We're alive. We weren't meant to stop there. We were meant to grow. But sometimes we stop at growth. We think of the milk. And we think of all the things that we need to fill our head with, all the knowledge we need to fill our head with, or all the behaviors we have to do so that we can be a good Christian person. And so it becomes a job, something we labor for. That's not what this invitation was about. There needs to be joy. At the end of the story, there is a wedding feast, and Jesus is there with his bride, and there is joy. The bride, the church. There is joy and reason to celebrate, and we need to remember that. We have new life. We are growing in this new life, and it's awesome. There needs to be celebration. This is an invitation to a party. Why is it that so many of us in churches then are party poopers? We should be celebrating. We should be celebrating. We are invited to be born into a new life, grow in that life, and become a clearer picture of Jesus as that life ultimately culminates in celebration and joy. So who is invited? The thirsty. Everyone. 
What are they invited to? New life. Growth in that new life that culminates in joy and celebration. The who? Those who are thirsty. The what? New life, growth, celebration. What's the third question? The third question is how? How? How do we respond to that invitation? How do we RSVP? What is our response to this invitation? How are we to respond? And in order to answer that, I think we first need to answer how we are not to respond. You see, if we go back to verse 1, and I'm going to read it because I tried to say it in, in the first service and I did horrible. And I'm just going to read it from the Bible. It says, Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Without money and without cost. You can't pay for this invitation. You can't buy it. One, you're not able to, but this invitation is free. That is completely opposite to the mentality of what we were when we were thirsty. What did we do? We labored in vain. We worked and we worked and we labored and we labored for that which did not satisfy. And so we are given an invitation that is free. An invitation that is free. And the danger is, is that sometimes I forget that I cannot earn this invitation. And so what I do is, I make a grave mistake. I establish a requirement of labor to this invitation. Not just for myself, but to others. But this invitation is free. And it's free because it was already paid for. But who paid for it? Now look at the book of John. John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. That's awesome. Okay, we're going to read it again because you guys didn't get that. All right. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Isaiah 55. Come, all who are thirsty, and drink. Come to the waters. John chapter 7. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are thirsty, and drink. How do we respond? We come to Jesus. The answer is Jesus. The invitation is free because Jesus came to us, was born, he was lived a perfect life, he died the death we were supposed to pay, he was put in a tomb, he stayed there for three days, walked out alive, and was eternally victorious. That's why the invitation is free. The answer is Jesus. 
The answer to the invitation, the answer to the how, is Jesus, coming to Jesus. And so we need to go full circle. We need to go back to what we talked about earlier and go back to our conversation about conversion. Shifting the desire of our heart. Our desire of our heart should be Jesus. We should desire nothing else over Jesus. And how do we approach that desire? Through grace. Our approach is no longer one of labor. It is one of grace. The invitation is free. The invitation is free. And if I could really, really grasp this, if I could really, really understand this, if I could understand what my nature was like when I was thirsty, if I could understand what Jesus paid so that I could receive this invitation, if I could understand what I am being invited to, if I could understand this new life, this growth, this celebration, if I could fully understand that, my response would only be to line up with Jesus, to continue in his mission, and continue what Jesus started. My only response I would not be able to help it if I fully understood what has been given to me, what invitation has been given to me. My only response is to continue what Jesus started because I have now been invited to be part of the inviting. I have been invited to be part of the inviting. We are at an interesting part in our history as Calvary Church. We are a multi-site church. Kind of. Kind of. No disrespect to the Quakertown crew. We've all been working really hard. But next week, everything changes. For three weeks, we've been meeting as Calvary Church, but next week... Everything changes because the doors open and the public community will come in. Everything changes. And so we are saying we need to be an inviting church. And we need to go and invite others. But you need to understand something crystal clear. I don't want you to invite people to a building. I don't want you to invite people to a building. If you tell me that you handed out a bunch of papers and that was all you did, that's not inviting. You are inviting them into your life. You are inviting people into your life. And so you invite someone to the building in Southerton or a building in Quakertown. Maybe you invite them to lunch. Maybe you invite them over. Maybe you let them see your mess. Literally, maybe it's your dirty socks on the floor like me. Or maybe it's just the mess in your life. Far too often we try to make things look so perfectly clean that we mess up the invitation. If we would just acknowledge that we're a mess and they're a mess and we're both messes, then maybe the clear picture of who is not a mess, Jesus will shine through. 
We invite people into our life. And so we invite them, and we help them when they need help, and we accept their help when we need help. Inviting is a matter of the heart. It's not just an action. It's not just about inviting someone with a piece of paper. It's who you are. It's about a change of the heart. I uh, think that we really need to understand that inviting is just not something that we do. It's something that we're supposed to be. Again, inviting is both a verb and an adjective. It's not just about what we're supposed to do. It's about who we're supposed to be. And that starts with the heart. I have an addiction to thrift shops. This is a safe zone. I'm confessing it. I love thrift shops. I really do. Whether it's Liberty in Quakertown, Karen, Sharon, Souderton, or Second Avenue in Montgomeryville, or Goodwill, whatever. I'm, I'm all thrift shops. I'm good. It's like my fortress of solitude. I go into the thrift shop and I just kind of, I don't even buy stuff half the time. I'm just walking around. It's like a museum for other people's junk. I love it. It's how I kind of just recharge. I walk through around thrift shops, and sometimes I find great deals. And when I find a great deal, I'm really quick to tell people. I go in, I'm like, hey, see the shirt? 25 cents. <laughs> I, I mean, I have an issue. I love bragging about that because I love thrift shops. And when I find a good thrift shop, I love telling people about it. I'm like, you should go to this thrift shop, man. It's awesome. You can get some really good stuff there. And like I said, I, I have like a routine when I go to the, the like, let's say the Karen share. When I, when I was here in Souderton, I would go to the Karen share and I'd have a routine. I'd go and I'd park in a certain section. I usually have my own parking spot that I know where I'd like to park. And then I go to one store and I follow down the progression. It's, it's my routine. It's the way I like to do things. It, it recharges me. But I haven't really been able to go to any thrift shops really since we started the site because things have just been busy. It's been hectic. It's been just like a high-paced well, on Friday, I had about an hour, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go to the Karen share. It's been crazy. I've been working a lot. I'm going to go to the Karen share and just kind of recharge. That was a mistake. <laughs> Some of you are nodding. You're the reason it was a mistake. Because Friday is, was the third Friday of the month. <laughs> and the third Friday of the month at Karen share is 50% off. 50% off everything in all of their stores. And the vultures come out. <laughs> so I get into my parking lot. My parking lot. I come into the Karen Share parking lot. My spot's, my spot's taken. Not only is my spot taken, the whole section is taken. I have to drive to the other side of the parking lot and park on the farthest place away from the building. And I have to get out and walk <laughs> to the shop. I get over there, I walk in there, and it's packed and people are touching me. <laughs> They're bumping into me, their elbows are touching me. Don't touch me. And then I see the line, it's this big, long snake of a line, and I'm like, I'd have to wait on there for like an hour to buy something. Who are all these people? Do they not know that this is my place? This is where I go to recharge. This is what makes me happy. It brings me joy. 
You know, some of those people were probably people that I invited to the Karen share. <laughs> some of those people are probably people that I told, hey, you should go to the Karen share. But instead of being happy that they were there, I was more concerned about my parking spot. Inviting is not something we just do. It's something we are. And if you invite people, we better be a group that is inviting when they come here. And you know what that means? You might lose your parking spot. Your routine might be thrown off. Some of your preferences might be messed up with. The way you do things normally, that might have to change. You might have to rub elbows with people you don't really know. They might get in your space. But if we're going to be an inviting church, we have to be inviting, not just do inviting. And so we are meant to live an inviting life and be an inviting person. And what does that look like? N.T. Wright is a theologian, and he writes this. There is a quality of generosity, kindness, gentleness, overflowing love, hospitality and joy, not a shallow happiness, but a genuine and radiant trust in God for everything which cannot be faked and which remains powerfully attractive. There is a quality of generosity, kindness, gentleness, overflowing love, hospitality and joy, not a shallow happiness, but a genuine and radiant trust in God for everything, which cannot be faked and which remains powerfully attractive. I don't know if that's me. I hope it is. I hope I at least can become that one day. But actually my question is, is that us? Does that describe Calvary Church? Again, I don't want you to invite people to a building. I want you to invite them into your life. I want us to live the inviting life. You see, we've always desired for Calvary Church to be an inviting church, and we've done things throughout our history to be that inviting church. But next week, everything changes. Next week, we step it up in a way that we've never done before. Everything changes. Are we ready to be an inviting church. Well, we better be. You see, next week we're going to open up the doors in Quakertown. Next week we're going to open up the doors in Souderton. And what we are expecting is that the community, those from the public, those who've never been to Calvary Church, will walk through those doors. And the only way they're going to walk through those doors is if you tell them, if you invite them. The only way, Quakertown, that they're going to walk through your doors is if you invite them. 
is if you go and invite your neighbors, if you go invite your coworkers, if you go and invite your family to come next Sunday. The only way they're going to come here in Sauerton is if you go and invite them, if you go and invite your neighbors, if you go and invite your family, if you go and invite your coworkers and you tell them to come. That's the only way they will come. But let me tell you why they'll stay. They'll come because you invited them. They'll stay if they find an inviting people. They'll come because you gave them an invitation. They'll stay if they find people with the qualities that we just read about. A love that is so sincere that cannot be faked. Inviting is what we are to do, but it is also who we are supposed to be. So are we ready? Because next week, everything changes. We are invited to be part of the inviting. We are invited to live the inviting life. Next week, those doors will open. Are we ready? Calvary Church, it's time to live the inviting life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for calling us while we were yet thirsty and inviting us to new life to growth, to celebration. Inviting us to be part of the inviting. Lord, help us to never take that for granted. Give us the courage to go out and invite and give us the love to be inviting in nature when those we invite come. Lord, we pray that lives will be changed. We pray that lives would be healed, that marriages would be healed, that, that addictions will be removed. We pray that Jesus shows up in the lives of those we invite. Lord, when people look at us, we ask that all they will see is Jesus. Lord, we ask that the gospel will make a change in our communities. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.